0: So we're in good shape. Ready to go? I need just to say something to you before we even start this morning. I don't have a happy meal for you today. Is that okay? But I also don't want to overface you. There's nothing worse than when somebody puts food in front of you and it's like that. And as soon as you're overfaced, you kind of think, I've lost my appetite altogether. So maybe we need to find some kind of balanced ground this morning. But are you ready to draw? Yes. Four of you, are you ready to draw? Yes. I'm ready to pour out if you're ready to draw. Yes. But I'm also wed- ready to withdraw should you not want to draw. I don't want to tongue tied put something around with you this morning. But these give you a piece of revelation before we start. Paul kept saying this morning, didn't he, there is no place I would rather be. And is it here in your love? And Paul kept saying, didn't he, the place you need to be is here. Not there, it's here. So you ready for some revelation? You write this down, it'll be good for you. Don't be found at the airport when your ship comes in. Don't be found at the airport when your ship comes in. That's revelation between you and God. You can go and figure that one out over your dinner. Just be made sure you're in the right place. So I'm ready to go. Kind of getting myself all alright, right so I don't start too quick and I don't get too giddy. Well, let me put something to you that I am not going to explain. I'll say that again. I am not going to explain... I am giving you something ahead of time. More clarity will come later, but I am just putting you on the page. Is that okay? The scripture turns around and says, Shall I hide from Abraham what am I about to do? The love of God moves towards you and I this morning, that his heart is for us and not against us. So let me read you a scripture before we start and we come around the word, but let me just put you on the on the page. From Revelation chapter 11 and verse 1, it says this, I was given a reed like a measuring rod and told, Go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the worshippers there. And I feel in the Spirit of God that the Holy Ghost has started to reveal the reason I have been talking about a greater grace, the reason I am talking about your need and lack, is because I am ready to come and do an audit on the Dream Center. And you know who the Dream Center is, don't you? You know we're not measuring this floor distance. We're not measuring how many tiles have fallen from the ceiling. Don't look at the ceiling. We're not looking at how bad the state of our ceiling is. The measure of the temple is you and I. And he is getting ready to do an audit. I will draw a line under that now. I am telling you ahead of schedule. Because he loves us, he informs us. Amen. Should we come around the word? Do you remember the song that we sang as a kid? Head, shoulders, knees and toes. Knees and toes. And then what comes next after head and shoulders, knees and toes? And let's do the actions come on and eyes and ears and mouth and nose head shoulders knees and toes was there anybody in the room this morning that wasn't able to touch one of those areas have you got a head have you got a nose have you got knees and toes you might think your knees are shot but you've still got knees and toes you got eyes but did everybody have a pair of ears okay that's a good start then in Mark chapter 4 Verses 9 to 13, Jesus says this, Whoever as is, I just think that we all just made the grade, did we not? Yeah. Let him hear when he was alone, the 12. I'd not read this before, it kind of blows my mind, because a lot of the time Jesus shared the secrets of what he was talking about to the 12. But in Mark's gospel from the NIV, it says this, and the others around him. It wasn't just the 12. It was those who would draw near God's ready to pour out to and asked him about the parables. He told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus told them, do you not understand this parable? How then can you understand any parable? The parable that Tony touched on last week, Pastor Tony, the parable of the sower, is the most important parable out of any of the Gospels. It is the gateway parable. He turns around and says, if you understand this and the workings that I have and how God and the Holy Ghost wants to work in you, you will understand the rest. So he turns around and says, get a grasp of this, because not only does it open the parables, it will open the understanding towards the kingdom also. That one parable, the parable of the sower, is so powerful. As I said, it's the gateway. The context of the story is that the sower goes to sow his seed, and the enemy comes along looking to see if he can steal what has been sown. Without reading all the parable again, am I still Bible? Am I still in the right kind of place? You know, I was in, uh, should I should say, at, we were in this weekend, Angie and I, sunny Wales. And in sunny Wales, they've just been ploughing the fields, I don't know what they're plowing for. I don't know what they're plowing with. I just know I passed some fields that they were plowing. But one thing I noticed that behind the plow as it was cutting, all the birds are instantly dropping below to see what has come to the surface that they can take. Maybe it's a worm. Maybe it's a bug. Maybe it's a Roman coin it's looking for with its own little metal detector. Whatever. I don't know. But the birds are there taking as soon as that ground is overturned or turned over, they're looking to see what it can take. In Mark's gospel, again, in chapter 15, it says this. Some people are like seed on the path where the the word is sown. As soon as they hear it. How long? When you get home? When you've had your dinner? Tuesday morning, when you're watching Jeremy Kyle. Sorry, you can't watch Jeremy Kyle anymore. When you're watching Holmes Under the Hammer. When you're watching whatever, the word is slipped. As soon as you hear it. Satan comes and takes away, away the word that was sown in them. Where was the word sown? In them. So it's not an external, throw something out and hope you catch it. Internally, the spirit is doing his work when your ear gate is open. We have an eye gate and we have an ear gate. That which we see and that's which we hear. That's why the scripture turns around and says, ever seeing and ever hearing, that ear gate, when the word comes, it finds good soil. But as soon as that word is being sown out, depending what kind of mood you're in, depending what kind of mood I'm in, depending who's the one sowing the seed, depends whether or not they cheese me off in the first place. Honesty corner. You know, Phil will always do honesty corner. There are preachers I love, and there are preachers I go, I love whatever you say when you write it down. Just don't open your mouth. There are certain people that the way they speak, the rhythm that they speak, etc., it doesn't sit with you. Is it just me? Am I just weird? Uh, Well, you don't have to tell me I'm a weird. I know I'm weird. (laughs) But are you as weird as I am? Weird. Weird that there are certain voices that I turn to or tune to very, very quickly. There are others where I think I'm going to have to give you some grace and work hard here to give you all of my attention. But of course, that's not you. And hopefully that's not me this morning. (laughs) But we find a place of tuning our ears. Pat mentioned last week, She mentioned something very specific that I wrote down. She turned around and she said that for over the years, and she said, was it something like eight years? She'd stored this seed in her fridge. She got it and she was a custodian of seed in the fridge. All of this seed was there. You know, the problem that we have as a church and as a people is not access to seed. Having access to the seed is not the problem. It's the lack of your or my application of the seed that's the issue. But he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying this morning. We have to move to application. The message translation of James 1.22 says this. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you're anything but... You're anything but a listener, letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Do you know what? I have decided, I've, I've not only decided to follow Jesus, I've decided and figured out that in church, in church as a, not talking about the dream center, if it's you, you're convicted, but talking about church as a whole, when you find people, you know, it turns around and said they're there on milk, those on milk, and it says there's those on meat, does it not? I think there's a gap in the middle, and I call them spiritual adolescents. I'm not a baby, but I'm not immaturity. I'm a spiritual adolescent. And if you've ever had an adolescent live in your house called a teenager, the law of in one ear and out the other is primal. You say something, and you come back two minutes later and said, I thought you were going to do that. Do what? Just told you. Told me what? (laughs) Go ahead, Chris. It's Chris. Chris, Just a big kid. There's a few, few secrets we found out about you this morning, Chris. We'll keep to ourselves. But there's that difference of saying here in the message, we're not of those where the word goes in one ear and out the next. That becomes a problem to us. We're not that kind of people. The reason that this parable of the sower is so important. You have to set it into context. Everything, I'll say it again, everything in capital letters, everything, highlight it, everything, just drawn a circle around in my Bible, everything is given to me in seed form. God doesn't give you anything complete apart from the finished work of Jesus Christ. And then I am given the seed, Inside my heart, of how that works its way out. Am I still being Bible at the minute without having to turn to all the scriptures? The seed which is sown in you has to be given responsibility. It has to become a life. Is your life and my life like a seed that is planted, watered, and is growing, or is your life and my life a mirror of Pat's fridge? Is your place like Pat's Fridge, where I go every week, I store that seed that was given me. Every week, I've got it downloaded automatically onto my iPad or onto my computer. I've got the podcast that I never listen to, but it's there if I want it. Oh, look, I've got my notes here from 1927 of what Pastor Tony said, and I've got the six points on. Are we stories of seed, or is it actually going to move to action? That seed of Jesus Christ, the seed and the word had to become flesh. Amen. What you are and I, are, I am has to become a reality. It has to become measurable. So there's Dave. Dave's got his business. So he's there. He's working along with his team in town. And his big boss phones him up said, Dave, how's things going? Oh, I doing great, boss. Going great. So um, what's the figures? How have you done this month? Well, we've been doing great, boss. Yeah, but what's the figures? Where did we make? What was the profit? How many hours can we charge for? What's the billing? What do we put down? How's it been? Oh, it's great, boss. I don't need to keep hearing it's great, boss. I want to know what the bottom line is. We made this comment in the early morning prayer meeting this morning. It may offend you or it may not, and I don't really care one way or the other, to be honest with you. We turn around and say we should never discuss money and we never discuss business in church. And I turned around and said in the prayer meeting this morning, God is the ultimate businessman and financer. Because he turns around and says, when I make an investment in Eric, I expect a return. Because I don't back numpties. Not that. Eric, please, you are not a numpty. (laughs) But later if I say, what's the bottom line, I expect... Even with the par- parable of the talents, he turned around and said, I at least expected that you put some interest on it. Yeah. So when he sows into us and he gives us the word of life, he expects a return. Yeah. Oh, well, there were three people then who decided that he expects a return. In you and I, you are the most valuable. As it that is God, as he sows his life, he sows his word, he puts everything inside of us so that you can be changed and I can be changed. To those who believed, he gave the right to become. We're becoming something. Oh, have you heard the the whole thing from tiny acorns, mighty oak trees grow? Everything starts somewhere, and that means you and I. But I keep coming along and saying, but is there a difference? Have you changed this week? Have you changed this month? Have you changed this year? Are we going from one degree of glory to the next? Well, here's the great thing about God's seed. It's incorruptible in 1 Peter 1 23 it says this having been born again not of corruptible seed but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides in you the incorruptible seed so let me give you a reference point the seed you carry is incorruptible the environment that you sow it into is the problem The environment you sow it into is the problem. And do you know what that environment the seeds sown into that's the problem, don't you? Yeah. Do you remember the head, shoulders, knees and toes? Because I'm keep pointing at me. Yeah. I am the problem. Yeah. Occasionally well thank you, Gaff. <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally I'll flick on QI. Is there any QIs about us this morning? Anybody like QI? Did anybody see QI this week, Friday, whatever it was, can't remember, it was on, flicking through, it was there. And they asked the question, why would you sew a pair of underpants into your garden? Oh, I thought I'd get that attention, it's amazing, I read 14 scriptures, I haven't got anything, They say, put a pair of underpants in your garden and we're all there. That's why we don't watch it. Yeah, that's why you don't watch it. Putting a piece of your pair of underpants in your garden and going back two weeks later and digging them up, depending how much they have eroded, will tell you the quality of the soil for anything you want to plant. Because the cotton breaks down, and if the cotton doesn't break down, it so said the only thing you should be left with is the elastic that's in your underwear. If it's gone, the soil you have is fertile and ready to produce. If you've still got your pair of soiled underpants, chuck them straight back in the washing, she'll never know. If you've got a pair of underpants, the soil will not produce. The glory of QI. Now, you might not want to necessarily write that down in the front leaf of your Bible, sewing underpants. But there is a process of being able to know how fertile are you as soil. He wants to set something in place, but yet even the scripture turns around, doesn't it? It says, break up your fallow ground. Sometimes there has to be a removal of some things before he can place some things in it. Yes. But the seed we have is incorruptible. We're settled by his word. Psalm tells us that forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Hear that word. It's massive. Settled. Forever. So it's not open to negotiation. God doesn't need your opinion, He doesn't need a rewrite. (laughs) He doesn't need to take it to the screenwriters and say, let's have a fresh opinion on it. Let's breathe a bit of fresh life in it to make it more relevant for the day that we're in. Forever your word is settled in heaven. The problem is, it's not settled in you. And it's not certainly settled in me. I struggle with that seed that's kind of being grown and turning around. From eternity to eternity, that seed is settled. An apple seed should always produce, if it produces a banana, we've got a problem. I know there are many scientists in their labs messing with seed, playing with DNA, trying to change its core nature. But God, when God said, that's an apple tree, it's an apple tree. And when he looks at you and me, he said, that's a son of the king. That's a daughter of the king. They are children of the kingdom. They are inheritors. They are overcomers. They are victorious. They are awesome. They are clean. They are forgiven. They are. Shall I carry on seeing you just shouting me down with amen and hallelujah? All of those things that God has declared over you, don't suddenly try and mess with the seed and say, it's fine for you saying that, but. The seed he s- sown, sown, soon. The seed that he sowed into your heart is incorruptible. So when he says, "This is what you will be," yeah. Yeah. this is what you will be. Yeah. Now, I am not. I am never, ever going to claim to be green fingered in, in any way, shape, or form. And I know why those people that, when they go to the garden centre and they buy them plants, also have them little white sticks. That they write on what it is, because I haven't a clue. They go, what kind of flower is that? Well, that's a red one. The only thing I know about gardens is I'm not colorblind. And I thank God that I don't have hay fever. So I can go and say, that's a yellow one that looks like a bucket. There's a green one that looks like something else. I can understand, but when God sets his label on you, there is no change in it. You know, you are marked with a mark that heaven has placed upon you. The world might not recognize you, but anything of the spirit world looks at you and knows exactly what seed you are. Whether you're a shoot or you're well produced. Anything of the spirit world is able to see what you are. I thank God that the scriptures said God's the gardener. He's not done much in my garden at our house. I'm not seeing much at all. I'm waiting for the elves and the shoemaker to come out at night and get rid of all them weeds and plant something. But he is the gardener and it tells us in Isaiah chapter 61. It says, He gave us the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. He is not just picking up a fully mature tree, dropping it down and calling it calf. He starts with the acorn that he plants in the ground, he waters the ground, he nurtures the ground, and that acorn splits the seed inside, becomes a shoot, the shoot becomes a tender tree, and the tender tree grows, that we become oaks of righteousness. He is expecting a return. He's expecting that return from you and me because he's sown that seed. Now, Pastor Tony touched on it last week. And again, I don't need to go there for time. But in that parable of the sower, there is a return 30 fold, 60 fold and 100 fold return. There is more in there than you could ever think when we just use those figures. But that will be for another day. The endemic problem that you have in the modern day church is a lack of productivity. I'll say it again. The endemic problem in the modern day church is a lack of productivity. We become storehouses where, again, the reference of, well, it'll be now called the Pat's Fridge Church, that stores seed, that stores Different resources so they don't go off. The only problem is, while you've got everything in your fridge, does it feed your kids? Don't feed your kids until the fridge is open. It's used, it's sown, it's worked with. I take the eggs, I cook the eggs. Whatever's in your fridge, I take it out and do something with it. We go, oh, well, my God, I've been faithful because I've not allowed it to go rotten. Yeah, but you didn't give it life. Do something and allow the life. Now, allow me to read this script to you from Proverbs twenty-four, reading from the New King James. Do not say, "I will do to him just as he has done to me." I will re- uh, render to the man according to his work. What's God going to render to you? So, according to your work, a labourer is worth his wages. So God says right So what you do I pay you back for Because God is no man's giver Or no man's debtor Should I say God is no man's debtor He pays us back For where we're working Even in his field Now this is where We want to pick up I went to the field Of the lazy man So what does the lazy man own? He owns a field So he hasn't got nothing He's already got a field Is that right? but there's something endemic about him, it starts it. What is he? What is the man defining? He's lazy. Again, we're falling into the bracket of the adolescent church. It's bone idle unless you've got to bribe them. Do you know how you bribe a teenager? They want to go to the pictures or they're going out with their mates or can I stay out late? There's a bribe. There has to be a trade-off. The trade-off is, I'll give you the money to go and see Avengers, but clean your room. Bring your pots down. Get your dirty socks from under your bed. Whatever it is, we know that land of teenagers, that there's a room that you never go in. Because there is, do you know like a skunk? A skunk has a warning, doesn't it? It says, if you come too close... I'm going to spray you. Yeah. Teenagers have a built-in skunk kind of gland that goes, don't come near me because of stink. And we said, you need to stand a bit closer to the soap and water. That helps. So they have a built-in kind of smell. Then you open that door into that unknown world, which you close very quickly because of the smell and the environment that it's in. But there is a nature of this man. he's a lazy man. And I went by the vineyard of the man who was devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns, its surface was covered with nettles, its stones and its wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and I received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a folding of the hands to rest. And so shall your poverty come to you like a prowler and your needs like an armed man. When you move to no productivity, just look what starts to happen. I have a field, but it becomes overgrown. I have a field, it's full of thorns. I have a field, but the hedge of protection or the wall has been broken down around it. Weary the man who breaks down the wall of protection, for he will be bitten by the snake. My productivity brings something to my own door. Or my lack of productivity brings something else. He then turns around and says, and when I see it, I learn a lesson. Because what's the lesson that I learn? That poverty will come like a prowler and need like an armed man. Ask yourself the question. Pastor tony only been going on for it for weeks, the difference between uh, needs and lack. The question that we have is, why do you have need? See, again, I think, I'm sure it's in the Gospel of Phil Mancunian version (laughs) 7. Chapter 4, verse 9, it turns around and says, you don't have something at times because you're a dipstick. And you see, it's in black and white, you're a dipstick. So people will turn around and say, I can't pay my bills, but they've got the top package on Sky, they've got the latest phone, they've got everything. It's takeaways three nights a week and they go, Yeah, but I really struggle. You lack because you act like a numpty. There has to be some basic principles and wisdom applied. Again, come back to that reference of the adolescent. You give an adolescent, a teenage, you give a teenager some money for your birthday. There's your birthday money, calf. Let's keep it all. Let's Make, make sure you do something back, good with it. You come back. Um, so how much of that money have you got? Oh, it's all gone. Yeah, it's What's it all gone? What, what? Chips and bus fare, really. <laughs> you mean chips? Well, I bought and McDonald's and then he upgraded it. Uh, then Billy didn't have anything, so I bought him one. By the time you finish, there's nothing left. Of your money, it's an adolescent. We lose a way of doing something. So in that um, scripture there from Proverbs, it was a man's work is rendered to him, so there's a return on it. He was responsible for his field, even though he didn't show any responsibility for it. He was devoid of understanding. Again, Phil's little note to self: he was as numb as a pump. <laughs> if you're devoid of understanding, generally means. I haven't got a clue. You look at something, and you know that term, it's all Greek to me. It's all Greek to me. I look at it, and I haven't a clue where to start, what to do. I stand there scratching my head. The lack of appropriate action caused the man to become poor. Now, for us, we're not physically poor, but we can be left spiritually barren and poor because of what we do with our field and our seed. Don't be deluded just because you have a field that you actually do anything with it. You know, for ages we were saying, God, show me my field. Show me my field, Lord. Where do you want me to work? Lord, show me my field. Show me my field. And again, it's your own fault. You sat there in your bright shirt. Eric goes, I need my field. And God says, Eric, this is your field. So he shows him what to do. And then I sat there, pull out my deck chair, fold my arms and admire the field that God has given me and miss the fact that it's becoming overgrown, miss the fact it's full of weeds, miss the fact I'm doing nothing with it. I lose altogether. But God, I know I've got a field. It's not about your field. It's about doing something. I don't know about you, but I want to smell like the field the Lord has blessed. Yes. Yes. Mad things of creation. Side note. Mad things of creation. You walk down the road and you know when someone's cut the grass. It has a smell. Why does grass not smell unless you cut it? Mad things of creation. You walk out and you go, Chris, you've cut the grass. I don't have to look at how get me measure out. He might have only taken a couple of millimetres off it, but the fact is, it smells. Yeah. And when people see you or, or see me, do we carry the fragrance of a field that God has blessed? Yeah. Scripture says that you and I carry the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ wherever we go. Yeah. What is it? Or do people look and go, yeah, <sighs> groundwork needs to come in. <laughs> Charlie Dimmock needs a good afternoon with you. Ground force to try and sort you out. Let's get some of them weeds. Let's get something sorted. But I want to, and you and I both need to, smell like a field that the Lord has blessed. Amen. So let's make a point. Be careful how you hear. Remember at the beginning we turned around and said, he was has is." let him hear. In Luke 8, 18, it says, therefore take Heed how you hear, for whoever has to him, more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. Be careful how you hear. Be careful how you hear. Do not devalue the seed. Our problem is, for many of us, we think we've heard it before. We think we've already got it. We've already think, I'm sure that's in my packet in Pat's fridge. I'm sure I've got it. I've got it nailed. Be careful how you hear, and we do not despise the day of small beginnings. There is a seed which is entrusted to you. Shall I say that again? It's entrusted to you. Entrusted. Sometimes I see people and think, I wouldn't trust you with me dog. And God says, I entrust the very word of heaven to produce life, and I sow it in you, waiting for that to produce. Oh, my God. But we despise the days of small beginnings. It turns around and says in Samuel, it says that he never allowed one word of the Lord to fall to the ground. Do you know what it also says? In the days of Samuel, the word of the Lord was rare. Who was the word of the Lord rare to? People whose ears were closed. People whose ears didn't do anything with what they hear. But God is continually speaking from his throne. The boy Samuel, innocent in his state, is hearing God continually. And he is moved and he grew in favor and stature with God and with man because of the way that he took hold of that seed that had been given into him. Amen. Again, another side note. I saw something last year. Martin Lewis. Martin Lewis, money man. He was doing a thing, and um, he was talking, sharing some of his own experience. And one of his experiences was, he got a placement when he came out of university at a PR company. So he's got this placement at a PR company. And what their job was every morning was to get the headlines from all of the papers and stick them on the wall in the boardroom. And then the staff would come in and see what are the headlines of the day and see what they needed to promote, what they needed to try and apologize for or do whatever. So he's with these team of, let's call them adolescents, and everybody was getting promoted apart from him. So he's going, hang on a minute, so say for instance, it's Veronica and Mel, Dave and me, we're all in a team, we're all there, we're all on our placement, and Veronica got a job, and Mel got a job, and Dave's got his job in the tea room, he's doing whatever, I'm still here every morning, sticking the papers up, going, what am I doing, i go run for the butties, how come they've all got responsibility, and the owner turns around and says, come with me, come here, comes in, walk into the boardroom, so look at that, so what? Look at the papers. Yes, I've been in this morning. I've been faithful for the last two months putting up them papers. He said, right, now have a look. That one's higher than that one. That one only has two drawing pins in. That one has three. They're not in the order they're supposed to be. You completely overlook the small things. And when you overlook the small things, you cannot be trusted with the big things. He said, next day he bought himself a spirit level. <laughs> And he was like, no, but he, le- what, he could sulk, couldn't he? It can be the adolescent. Right, I've just been told off. Been told, S- that's it, sack you. Sack all of you. You're not paying me anyway. I'm on a placement. I'll go and do something else. He learned the lesson, and the lesson was, whatever I am entrusted to do, do it the best you can ever do it. Yes. It's amazing how the Jewish guys telling the Christians how to whatever you do, do it to the very best of your ability. Something small was entrusted, but when he did it right two weeks later, he's promoted above the three guys who'd already been promoted before him. There is something that God is looking to sow into you and I. In Matthew 13 and 31, it says this: Another parable he, he put forth, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it grows, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. It does not matter the size of seed that God sows in you as long as it produces what it's supposed to produce. Not everybody's going to be a Benny Hinn. Not everybody's going to be a Jonathan David. Not everybody's going to be this, but you better be what you're called to be. I have turned around, I've spoken to a few of the guys, right? and I'll tell you this, this is again the gospel of Phil. But if you're a parent, I am telling you, write this down because it'll help you you know our kids are at that time now doing SATs, getting ready for your exams GCSEs got it all going on what do all your kids turn around and come home with I'm what, what's the words they use stressed I'm feeling the pressure and I turn around I said why now this is where maybe Phil's form of parenting might not necessarily settle with you But let me tell you why I say that. From our kids being little, we have always told them the best you can ever do is the best you can do. So when school's kicking you to say, if you work harder, if you strain yourself, if you give yourself a hernia, you might get an extra few points. The best you can do is the best you can do. So if you come out in your English with 63% and it's the best you can do, do you know what 63% is? 100%. Because it's the best you can do. So when I'm in life doing the best I can do, I'm never going to measure myself to Dave, who goes, right, well, he's almost as tall as me. But if I'm measuring Dave, <laughs> he's got, oh, he's got eight stars in English and i got 63%. But 63% was the very best I could do. Now, let's again bring the counterbalance. Make sure you revise, pay attention, do what you're supposed to do. I just didn't give you a hall pass to do nothing. But do you know what? Both of my kids are never, ever, or have been afraid of doing an exam, doing a test, driving test, something at work... Whatever you've done, because each one of them has gone, I can only do my best. And there is something that sets you free when you go, I have done my best, and you're not the benchmark. So when somebody turns around and says, well, I'm just letting you know, Dave, that you're on 63%, but the rest of the class is 78, and you're pulling the school score down. I don't care, because I'm not here for the school. I'm not here for the school. I'm here for me because I'm a pupil and I'm allowed to be here for me. Now, depending what school you go to, when Dan was younger and Dan went to Ordenshaw and thank God for Audenshaw because it put him in a headlock. I'd hate to see him if he was running wild somewhere else, but he put him in a good headlock. But the first thing they said, the headmaster says, I just need to make clear to you, this is parents now, we're all here, we're all getting invited to the school, you've had your placement, and the headmaster stands there and says, I need to make plain right from the start, the school is not here for the benefit of your children. And if you don't like it, leave. So guess what? My kids don't need to be there for the benefit of the school. They can be there for themselves as well. No, but it's this whole thing of going. If you can put and sew into your heart, all I can ever do is my best, you'll never beat yourself up. You'll never kill yourself. You'll never have the stress. You'll never have the pressure. It was, blessing Sunday. somebody was uh, talking to him outside last week, just something different. And he said, yeah, but if you get this mark, it comes on a CV. It affects it, how maybe people read it. I said, we're employers. I don't employ somebody because of your CV. I employ you when I sit down in a room and talk to you. I've seen CVs that can do any job in the world until you walk through the door I tell you they all, we'll promise the world when we're on that piece of paper I tell you we had it Kevin will be the witness because Kev was a guy who dealt with a guy there was a guy who turned around and says I can develop for you I can do this I can do that I Go fantastic come over we'll make a morning we'll do a bit of stuff he walked in We'd already seen his CV. You can have a look at my portfolio and stuff. He walked in. Kev was dealing with him. So how are you doing? Fine. Would you like a cup of tea? Yes. So I'll brew up Kev while you deal with him. Right. Fine. So I'm brewing up. So can you do this and this? Well, not really. I'm sure it says here you can. Uh, can you? No, not really. No, not really. No. So, so what do you do? Well, I haven't really got any experience in anything. Don't put any milk in that tea. He's not He's not saying. <laughs> And literally, there was five minutes in to be turned around and walking back out again. Don't build yourself up to be more than you ever are, but also don't reduce yourself to nothing. Just do your best. And if I can do my best and you can do your best, heaven will smile. Amen? Heaven will smile when I do my best. Let me read you a scripture from Genesis 47. You do well to pay heed to this. The lesson the Egyptians learned too late. So when money failed in the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed. So what's already gone? Money's gone. They've already spent it. So the famine's already been... They've emptied the piggy bank, they've emptied the bank account, the bit under the mattress, that big whiskey jar you've got with pennies in that you're going to save for your holidays. It's all gone. It's all gone using this. So now they're saying, We're going to die. What have you got left? So money's failed. So Joseph said, Give us your livestock. Uh, and I will give you bread for your livestock if your money's gone. So they make a trade. Now they make a trade. Trade is not robbery. Exchange is not robbery. Because it's value where value is seen. So I say to Chris and Kath, I'll give you three magic beans for your cow. And they go, Well, you know what? It's not a bad idea, that, is it? Do we need the cow? Do we need, do we need the cow? I might need the cow, but I've got these magic beans. When you agree the deal, you didn't get ripped off There was a trade that took place that you were happy with. Unless you get buyer's remorse later and you've met your mum. There's an agreement in place. So he says, right, so you've used your money, give us your livestock, and I'll give you bread. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for their horses, the flocks, the cattle of the herds, and for their uh, donkeys. Thus he fed them with bread in exchange for their livestock all that year. So they gave everything that they had, all their cattle, their donkeys, their horses, camels, whatever they had. He gave it all and they got some bread back. When the year had ended, they came to him the next year and said, (laughs) we will not hide from my Lord that our money is gone. My Lord has also our herds and our livestock. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our land. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be your servants of Pharaoh. Then give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land may not be desolate. For three years they asked the wrong question. Give us bread, give us bread, give us bread. And only when they have become slaves, now give us seed. Money failed, so they gave the livestock. Livestock failed, they gave their lands. And when they give their lands, they sold themselves into slavery. There are so many people, and it hurts me to say it, who were sat in many churches as slaves, because they live in churches that all they ever do is feed them bread. 2 Corinthians 9 verses 10 and 11 says this. Now, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the eater supply and multiply your seed that you have sown and increased the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. God's desire is to give you seed before he gives you bread. Yes. Do we need bread for eating? yes. But man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, he gives a seed that will hold us. And that seed is caused to be multiplied in your field. The seed and the harvest is given to everyone. As I said, there are too many bread churches that meet immediate need rather than providing a seed that will guarantee you a spiritual future. Don't want to spend time on it, but I need to touch base. There are so many houses that have now pushed a self-help gospel that the self-help gospel, as all it's ever done, is put you back in the prison that Christ took you out of. Put you back in the prison that Christ took you out of. I'm not going to tell you who, I am not going to tell you where, I'm just going to tell you it's the truth, but one of the things that Kevin and I have, have a partnership in with Pastor Lonnie, is a thing called Crimata, and Crimata is a digital payment gateway for non-profit making organizations, and some big churches came along and said, we would like to partner with you, said, why is that? Said, so, because every time Eric turns up, he never has any money in his pocket. But if I can flash his card on the way out, I'll always get his resources. Yes, and that was the way it was sold. Because I'm not going to miss an opportunity of stripping you of the assets you've got. Wow. Because there are so many bread churches. That want to give you five steps to success, touch me and you get the anointed, quick fix to a life and godliness. There are no quick fixes. It's called process, process and progress. Something has to be worked out and worked out, worked on. You cannot spray on Christ. You cannot spray on character. You have to work through maturity. you have to work through process. There are not three quick steps to anything. Are three quick steps to get in trouble. But not three steps to life. There are some conversations that we need to have. But scripture says you can only have them amongst the mature. Because that word and that seed that comes to you will do you more harm than good. Your pot's not big enough to be able to maintain or manage that seed. Something's going to break out. But I do believe with all my heart that there is a spiritual upgrade that is out, that God is moving across his body where he's taking apollosies from around the world who love Jesus Christ and love the word, but they've never been upgraded. And they're being connected to houses that have seed and sow seed and will work with the seed and work in the different areas. I mean, you've heard the guys. Each of these testimonies I've been blessed with of going, do you know what? I'm only 24, like Mary says. I'm only 24. I've had my walk with God, but yet my eyes are being opened into so many different areas. Because once you open your eyes and your ears, something changes. Will you allow yourself to have a spiritual upgrade? So we said, be careful what you hear. Scripture also says, be careful what you hear. So it's how you hear and what you hear. You cannot continue to drink from any well and think it doesn't affect you. You can't cross-pollinate and think that everything that comes out the other side is okay. When we first went to Malaysia, it's kind of upgraded a lot now. But you got one of them, whatever you do, don't drink the water. Whatever you do, if you go out, if they ask, do you want an ice cube? No. And Malaysians, and this is... I'm telling you, they've got lots of revelation on lots of stuff. Well, one revelation they don't have. Put the can in the fridge and it makes it cold. Instead of having an empty fridge and giving you a warm can. I have yet to work that one out. If you put the can in a fridge, then I don't need the ice. But has anybody had it? Where you've been, you've been to Spain, you've been wherever. Bit of deli belly. You've had an ice cube, you've had a bit of water, you br- brush your teeth in a funny way and you get that ooh, ooh, ooh. I think, I think me and God is going to be staying in each other's presence this morning. I'm not going to go far from the throne room. I'm going to stay here. When your water is contaminated, everybody who drinks from you will be contaminated. If I have a flowing stream here, and it's all wonderful, it's crystal clear all coming from the throne. But here's the place where I pour in all my raw sewage. Everything before the sewage is okay. Everything after the sewage might have a moment, might it? And you might be the moment. You cannot continue to drink from any well and think that it doesn't bother you. The words he speaks are spirit and they're life. When you've got words that leave you feeling prisoner, feeling captive, feeling, feeling condemned, you're drinking from the wrong well. We're not looking to add additional knowledge. We're looking to add revelation and understanding by the Spirit of God. The curse of the modern day church is the cerebral church that keeps everything here and it's never outworked. We hold on to it and it's just as long as I thought about it, I know that I've got it. Back to Pat's fridge. Jeremiah two thirteen says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me the fountain of living water and home for themselves cisterns or broken systems that hold no water. I've changed it. I've had a bit of fill insight and I can change it. They have built for themselves broken systems. I set all these systems up around me which I think are going to protect me and keep me right. And if anything, they don't hold any water, they don't hold any life. But I'll tell you what, I'll fight to the death for it. It has to change. This whole thing of without, again, going on a rabbit trail is something that I saw... A while ago when it really helped me whether it'll help you it's up to you I'll sow it anyway throw some seed out see who catches it Paul goes to Athens so I'm in Acts 17 18 around there he goes to Athens and he's speaking to the philosophers and the wise men of the day and he converses with them yes Now these are the modern thinkers, they've got everything for life and godliness, they think, that they're debating. They go, you're a bit weird, where you're coming from, we're all the smart ones. But have you noticed something? There is nowhere in the writings of Paul did he say, I was with Socrates in Athens, and he says, what you need to do is this. He never took that wisdom and bring it into the church He says, we preach Christ and Christ crucified, which is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But we are so much made up in our modern church where we want to take the modern thinkers of the day speaking about Christ, who don't know Christ, speaking about it and going, oh, this is the revelation that you need, Eric, about what Christ has done for you. I'm sorry, I've got the Holy Ghost for that. I don't need YouTube. The truths that are being sown into us are so precious. We have lost the gospel of repentance, the gospel of faith, the gospel of a transformed life, the gospel of the kingdom, gospel of expectation, the gospel of power. Why? Because we just allow anything in and we fed ourselves with bread. We become fat and lazy, hungry again tomorrow, anybody know, you, you get that smell, don't you? you, walk past the baker's, Whoa, a bit of bread, oh, a bit of crusty bread, you know, have a bit of crusty bread, batter, best butter on it, I'm just wetting my own appetite here, because I don't eat it, all the stuff, you put it all on there, you gob it down, and you feel absolutely stuffed, don't you, when you've eaten five mini Ovis, you feel absolutely stuffed, and half an hour later, you go, hungry now. Because bread will not satisfy you. It doesn't last. What God's looking to do is give you seed that will last. That's come to the last bit. Be careful who you hear. Be careful how you hear, what you hear, and who you hear. God turns around and says to Adam and Eve in the garden, Who told you you were naked? Who is the who who keeps messing up you? Hey, that rhymes that. I'll say that again. Who is the who? Like I've just thought of it. Who is the who who keeps messing up you? Do you want to know what the true answer is? Most of the time, you. There are three voices you hear. God, the enemy, and yourself. And I can let you know the strongest voice you ever hear is your own. And it's amazing, I'll convince myself this is a good idea until I meet the pastor and after explaining it, I go, well the devil made me do it, I was just there and the devil came along, put me in a Chinese burn and that's why I did it. I did it because it seemed good to me. I did it because I thought I wasn't going to get caught. I did it because I thought I'd just get away with it. But I didn't. The sources of those voices in your life will affect so many things. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And this is the error that we spoke about at the beginning. And this is the danger of being around church, especially when it feeds your seed. I've heard it before. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. No, you're right, we can't. But the scripture says if you hang around wise, wise you become wise. There is so many times when somebody goes to say something, you think, oh, I've already got that. Yeah, I kind of got it but they have one little insight into something. Remember what I said before about don't despise the small seed? There are sometimes the biggest changes in your life when somebody comes along and says, here's the tiniest bit of revelation, and it goes, boom, explodes on the inside. Anybody know what I'm talking about? One little thing about whether I'm forgiven, I've been made whole, I don't have to go that way. It's one little bit of a scripture, and you go, wallop. My world just expands. I didn't have to try and understand about Melchizedek. I didn't have to try and understand about the red heifer sacrifice. I didn't understand about whether it's the tabernacle of Moses or David or Christ's tabernacle or the tabernacle of heaven. He just went, Kath, when I say it's gone as far as the east is from the west, I remember no more. And you go, I am free. Boom. It's time to make an investment in yourself. You ready for that? It's time to make an investment in yourself. I'll just tell you we've got two minutes and can be done in two minutes. If I give you my own practice that works for me, I don't say you have to do it, but a practice that works for me. Every month when I get paid, I buy myself a book. Now, I've not read all those books, but I'll look at something and think, right, this is what we're talking about. This is what's building. This is what I can see we're going to need in six months. And I'll draw it, and some of those are resources to be able to draw in the future. And others are instantaneous where I can draw into it. It gives me life, and that helps me to grow and develop. People go, oh, Phil, how do you know about that? Well, believe it or not, I studied it how did you understand that? Well, believe it or not, I studied it. How did you know about that? I'm oh, only dead clever, you. No, I'm not. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm not dead clever. But I'll put in the work to find out what should be there and build into it. So when I say about investing in yourself, let me ask you the question. What was the last book you bought? Yeah, the one I recommended. What was the last book you bought? And it better not be Harry Potter. You go, well, I don't, I, don't really do, I don't really do books. Right, if you don't do books, what was the last piece of maybe word that you got where you could get an audio set and listen to it? or well, something that helped to build into your life. When was the last time when you thought, do you know what? I've got a two-for-one deal. I'm going to take somebody out, have a coffee, and I'll just have a bit of a chat. And as iron sharpens iron, we'll sharpen each other. We'll bounce around a conversation. You're investing in them. It's also investing in you. Maybe if you turn around and go, "Well, I'd like to read a book, but I haven't a clue where to start." Ask for a reference. Ask, Pastor. Tony what you're reading at the minute. Ask the guys what you're reading at the minute. I've had some books that's been really helping me. And Veronica was talking to Veronica and talking to Mary, and they turned and said, "Oh, what have you got?" I said, "I've got some stuff on Lester all. You can find it here. Is the link? In fact, I'll send you the link." You've got to just build it into your lives. In your own time, just work with it. And there's just elements. There is stuff in ADT, as there not been. Well, there's been materials where Tony's gone, if you get hold of this, it'll bring in so much revelation and understanding. Ah, I didn't think they put things down in books that you can read and learn from. <laughs> yeah, they can. And it says it in a way, in a different tone that you can just work with. Don't moan about what you don't have but start to pursue and build lives with those who do have. The whole emphasis of the richest man in Babylon is I can sit here moaning about why I'm skint, or I go and talk to Chris, who's made it, and say, Chris, you were skint like me once. How are you not skint? And as long as he's not a selfish div and keeps it all to himself, (laughs) he can help me in that process. So when somebody turns around and says, how did that help you through that relationship breakdown? How did you get help... Help when you got found out you had cancer? How did you help when you had this? You share life with somebody and they can carry that word into you and sow their seed still into you. What about we've been hearing for week after week? What about making a commitment to ADT? If you're free, if you can get two half days a week, make a commitment. It'll transform your life. Yeah, well, I've been a Christian an awful long time and I don't hear it. I don't need it. Right, guess what? You don't need it. Sit where you are and rot. But the opportunity is... Do you know what? Here is the thing. There was a value that we put on this. The value that we put on was we were going to be charging people £3,000 a year. So I'll tell you again, that's £3,000 a year because that was going to give provide your meals and your materials. So if there was a book, you get a copy of the book and you get all the bits and bobs. £3,000 a year. How much does it cost you, Veronica? Nothing. Because while you're in this house, we'll turn around and say, we will invest in you and we will give you seed that you can sow into your life. The only cost is you finding some time. Yes. I'm not sure if I can be bothered. Well, don't be bothered. But don't bitch and moan that other people are going, do you know what? This changed me. Allow God to meet you. So we said the commitment to ADT. ADT being part and parcel of authentic groups, of sharing life, just knocking some things around. I'm a strong believer that you have to shock your system every now and then. I'm a strong believer in shocking your system. And you look and you go, well, how have you always looked like a gladiator, Phil? Well, I'll tell you, seeing you've asked. There are so many times a year Now I am in one, because I'm on my way to Malaysia, and I know I'm not going to eat anything, so I might as well start now. (laughs) Where I go for maybe twice a year, for a month or two months, I eat 800 calories a day. That's a couple of Kit Kats to you who are sat there going, i oh, but it at Weight Watchers, am I on a good point or a bad point? Well, if you get a Kit Kat, it's 99 calories, isn't it, for two, so it's 200 calories. If you look, just count how many Kit Kats you can have and eat in your daily life. But what it does, it shocks your system and it burns the stuff that is not good for you so good stuff can grow. But don't you really fancy that pizza? What about them chips when you pass You smell, oh. Sometimes, for my good, I have to deny myself some stuff. Because how do I look like this if I don't? <laughs> so with this one final comment, we're closed. Be honest with yourself. If you was to take a look at the last 12 to 24 months at the seed that has been sown in your life, what has been produced? 30, 60, 100 or less? I'm not asking you to answer. That's for you to have your moment with. And if you can define how you've grown and where you've grown, write it down on a piece of paper so you can actually map out This is where I started. This is where I am. If you go, I've listed it all and stuck it in Patch Fridge. At least it's in Patch Fridge. The disciples labored all night and caught nothing. Maybe there's time to do things in a slightly different way. Let's stand to our feet. Be careful how you hear. Be careful what you hear. And be careful who you listen to. So come on, let's just raise our holy hands for a moment. Father, we just pray that as we started this morning, Father, the word was, He who has ears, let him hear. Father God, I pray this morning, Father, for the seed which is sown from your word, may it find good soil. Father, we've already heard that it's the enemy comes along and tries to steal the seed instantly that it's sown into our hearts. But I pray, Lord God, Father, the soil may be wrapped over, Lord God. Father, turn the soil again to protect that seed. But, Lord, I pray for my responsibility of giving it some uh, productivity, Lord God. Father, I pray I want to nurture the seed. I want to water the seed. I want to protect the seed, Lord God, and give you glory and give you praise. Father God, I pray that it will say of the Dream Center that, Lord God, as you're ready to do your audit, that as we look out, Father, I pray that we may see a forest of oak. Lord God, I pray a forest of oak that I will see, Father, we will see trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Oh my God, cause those roots to go deep, cause those roots to go wide. But Lord God, I pray that you will give us strength, you will give us the ability to stand in the day, that Lord, as we make our preparation and we take responsibility, we will be lives that bear much fruit. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Amen.